The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes of Frank Open Honest Conversation about gambling addiction. Joining me as always from Epic Risk Management, my friend Dan Chalaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. It's a great weekend. It's the first weekend of NFL and uh, definitely a lot to talk about today, I'm sure. Yeah, so NFL season, of course, started on Thursday. We got all the games tomorrow and college football back as well. Happy to have with us uh, this morning Craig joining us. Craig is, uh, like myself and Dan, a gambler in recovery. Craig, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. When was uh, your last wager? 9-21-2015. Uh, congratulations. You're uh, moving towards a full decade without gambling. I, imag- I imagine you feel great. I do. I feel great today because of the work I put in. Yeah, well, let's get into to, to that. Your, uh, how does your story begin from a gambling standpoint? When you go all the way back, uh, did you start as a young man, a teenager? What was your first experience with gambling? So, you know, the way I look at things is my first experience as um, having emotional issues was when I was stealing from my father's pocket at about eight years old. And um, for me, it's an emotional disease. It just happens to be that it turned out one of the symptoms was compulsive gambling. And uh, I grew up in a compulsive gambling household where just as soon as I was able to read regular books, I was reading the racing form. Got it. uh, So, but for you, but, you know, it's funny, when you're a kid and that's, you know, you only have one life, that's your norm, right? So you grew up reading, you know, the racing form and going to the track with your dad or whomever is your normal, right? So when you look back on your life and you were exposed to gambling and obviously relatives who clearly gambled, at what point in your life, looking back on it with clarity now, did you start the process, how come my friends can't read a racing form? How come my buddies don't know how to play your cards? That kind of thing. Well, you know, for myself, as uh, I hear in a lot of other people's therapies, the people that didn't do what I did were not people I hung out with because if they didn't speak the same language that I spoke, they weren't people that I had interest in. Got it. Now, when you in your childhood, did you, do you remember now looking back on it where your family had issues financially because of their gambling where it's something that was a part of your childhood or was gambling always viewed as something that was positive and fun? So there were major problems. There was um, domestic abuse, alcohol abuse. Um, they lost a home, which uh, amazingly they were able to buy at some point in time due to uh, my uh, father's gambling and <clears throat> lights being shut off, uh, screaming and yelling, um, just constant chaos. Hmm. Yeah, Dan, I asked that question because, you know, I grew up gambling from the time I'm seven, eight years old, but I didn't come from a gambling family. And I I always, when I look back at my life, you know, the fact that I became a compulsive gambler or I am a compulsive gambler, you know, I knew every, every sign of, of bad gambling, quote unquote, degenerate gambling, compulsive gambling, but went down that road anyway. And I'm wondering in your studies and travels, 
if stories like mine and Craig's, you know, what's the norm? Is the norm where you're exposed to bad, unhealthy gambling and relationships and you avoid it? Or is the norm monkey see, monkey do? Wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I was talking with some college students about this when I was out at Wright State a couple weeks ago. And, you know, we talk about the concept of what's called adverse childhood experiences. And childhood experiences matter. You know, what we see in our childhood is a, it's a combination and collection of the good and the bad and the ugly, all the stuff. And some people can live two parallel lives, right, growing up in a household where there's nothing but chaos. You're almost comfortable in the chaos, as a matter of fact. And yet they can pursue two different life paths. One can continue down that life path of destruction, dealing with trauma and just like medicating themselves through drugs, alcohol, gambling or whatever. And the other one can choose to become a clinician or a counselor. And it's so complex. And that's what makes it such a, an interesting conversation because addiction in and of itself is, is based on biology and sociology and psychology. There's so many moving components and parts, but it's, it's what we see and it's the collection of those positive and negative experiences over time that kind of add up. And when found in the wrong set of circumstances, those little experiences can manifest themselves into huge problems. No, no doubt about that. We've all lived the problems. You probably heard and saw a lot of things you wish you had never heard and seen. But when did gambling start kind of spiraling a bit out of control for yourself? So I would say it was uh, in my early to mid-20s. And uh, at that point, I had the ability to know better. I knew that. And also I had a drug addiction. And thankfully, I haven't done any drugs since May of 1988. Congrats. God, yeah. So God has a lot to do with that. Anyway, so because of my uh, gambling got so bad, I lost uh, my first wife, my first house, my first business due to gambling. I was 20 six years old and I had everything going for me in the world. I turned everything around. I had good things happening. However, I was not doing anything about the challenge that I've always had throughout my life. When things go well or when things go bad or when things are just normal, I have to think about doing something that'll satisfy my addiction. And once I start doing that, it becomes exponential because I just can't stop. And that's what took place. And so I let me, let me first... stop you there. And by, I, I'm clearly not a therapist, but was it your desire to gamble? Or do you think, looking back, that you kind of had a self-sabotage gene and gambling was just a way to do it? Definitely the self-sabotage because I never dealt with the emotional issue of me because that is what I need my help with. Yeah, as I mentioned before, gambling and or drugs back in the day was just a symptom of my emotional issues. Right, right. you used gambling the way you used drugs in the late, in the 80s, and that was to cope with something else that maybe you weren't mature enough or prepared to deal with, so you hid from it by gambling or doing drugs. Correct. Yeah. All right, so you're gambling, you're in your 20s, your marriage goes south, you lose your house and your business, and what happens after that? So I was living in New Jersey. The house I bought was in New Jersey. And then I moved back into uh, Brooklyn to live with my folks. And, you know, how humbling that was. And I needed to be humbled. I needed that at that moment in time. However, I ended up getting a job. I, was, I became a finance manager at a car dealership. Things started looking good. I... 
was NGA. I was clean for over a year. And um, then I get a call from an old partner of mine that, you know, we'd like to meet and uh, meet out in Jersey and like to, you know, just have lunch and talk about things that are going on. And I see his lifestyle. And even though I was doing very well, I wanted his lifestyle. So right then and there, and most people won't believe how sick this is. However, it's coming from a sick individual at the time. who is still sick, however, now in recovery. However, I say, I'm leaving my job. I'm going to rent a place in New Jersey. I'm going to start with him in his company that he just formed. And I'm going to start doing drugs and gambling again. And I had some money amassed because I hadn't gambled in a while. Right. And that's what happened at that point in time. And um, until I hit rock bottom, until I was being thrown out of the place I was renting, did I decide that I can't do this any longer. And at that moment in time, you know, God has a way of putting people in your life at certain times of your life. I met my wife, who I'm currently married to for 33 years. And I decided right then and there that this is the woman that I want to marry. And this is First time I'm seeing her. It's just like an amazing thought I had. I want to have my children with her. And I want to be the best person I can be for myself and for her. How'd you meet her? I, so I met her at um, work. She, I get in there to the office late, and she offers me a cup of coffee. And it's the first time I'm in the office. And she never offers anybody a cup of coffee <laughs> from what she said. <laughs> and... Uh, and, you know, just one thing led to another. You know, the next day I was talking to her, and then, you know, we had a date, and and then we were inseparable. So let me ask you this. You said something, and Dan, I want you to jump in on this. And I, I don't want to pick on words, but you said something that, that resonated with me, that you made a conscious decision to do drugs and gamble. And I want to go through that because, you know, I guess all decisions we make, there were the conscious decisions but you said that so matter-of-factly and black and white, like, I'm going to leave this really good job I have. I'm rebuilding my life. I've got money in the bank. Things are actually going well. But here comes the self-sabotage. Not only and I'm going to leave my job for the promises of riches and the lifestyle that this other guy's leading. I'm going to do drugs. I'm going to gamble. And I'm going to get back to the things that make me happy. And I'm interested in that kind of the mental processing of that. That is pure addiction leading me to a place that I just felt comfortable. Was it just because you met this amazing gal? It was just the girl because, you know, I had stopped before. You know, I couldn't stay stopped. However, right. I finally made a conscious decision that I am going to make an effort like I hadn't done before. Let me stop and, uh, you there because I want to get mm -hmm. to the good stuff. And I know there's a lot of good stuff. I know we got to take a break. But, Dan, real quick, you know, one of the, for me, and I'm now just over five years without gambling, and I get asked a lot, as I'm sure you guys do, why did you stop? How did you stop? And I think for me the last part of this journey I'm on is answering that question because I don't have an answer for it. <laughs> and I don't know if there's a clinical answer for it, Dan, or in your experience talking to so many people as part of your job if there is an answer for that question or if anyone has ever answered the question and Craig's given me the closest answer I've ever gotten which is I met someone who now became more important to me than gambling and drugs and 
you know, I, I decided that day that she was more important. But I wonder if there's a clinical answer for why we stop. You know what? The best answer that I ever heard that works for me, Craig, because, you know, one of the things they talk about in the rooms, too, you know, they ask the question, is it important to know why you gambled in the first place? And they say sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't. And for me, it was important to kind of dive into that more like you. I got the answer that worked for me was when I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like, it was just a culmination of all the things that had been happening. And, yeah, I got caught. I went to prison. But that doesn't mean that was going to be my bottom, just like for you. Like, right. there are certain things that happen that matter more to us than the gambling. And it's sad to say not a lot of things mattered more than gambling. And it's hard to admit that. But for me, it got to the point where I got sick and tired of waking up every morning feeling a certain kind of way. It just eroded me. It just wore me down over time. And I said, I just don't want to feel like that. And making that conscious decision to now live a better life and do things differently, right? The definition of insanity. Yep. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. I got tired of it, man. I just I just couldn't do it anymore. All right, we got to take a quick break. Coming up after the break, we're going to hear the good part of Craig's story. Now he turned his life around gambling free. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, of course, Dan Trelao, Epic Risk Management, and Craig, a fellow Craig, happy to share his story about gambling. Craig, we went to break. You uh, talked about how you just stopped because you met a woman who you decided was more important to you than gambling, and you stopped that day. And uh, before we get to the really good stuff, how hard were those first few months? Because you are a man, by your own admission, who gambled, stopped for a year, probably thought he had a beat, and then obviously went back to gamble again and almost lost everything. Was it easy because she was such a powerful influence in your life, or did you still struggle with the notion of, hey, I'm never going to gamble again? It was, uh, I don't want to say easy. Um, you know, giving up something that you were so used to doing is never an easy thing. However, it became easier with each passing day. And the fact that I was in the program previous to that, I understood what I needed to do, and I understood, more importantly, what I needed to do that I didn't do before in order to stay stop. And um, yeah, after we met, we were engaged Soon thereafter, we were married shortly thereafter. And uh, not only did I stop gambling, I stopped smoking cigarettes. I started working out. I wanted to have a better life. I wanted to live life, you know, not just for me. Sure. Did you share with your girlfriend at the time that you were a compulsive gambler? 100%. She was probably the first person in the world at that time, and maybe at all time up to that point, that I was 100% honest with. I told her everything about what I did, what I've done, what I'm good at, what I'm bad at, and what, what I thought were my faults, even though I've come to learn had a lot more. However, she was the one person at that time that I was totally honest with. And that was a difficult thing for me because a character trait of my addiction, my emotional illness is I don't like to be honest. You know, I want to tell you I had a turkey sandwich when I had two slices of pizza, and it could be that simple. Yeah, there's a lot of people listening right now that are at the very beginning stages of recovery or not 
maybe even in recovery yet, and are trying to figure out, boy, is there life after gambling? Can I be financially, uh, you know, independent? Can I save relationships and all those things that we all worry about and process over and over and over again? And it's daunting for a lot of people. And sadly, not everyone thinks they can handle it, so they just don't. And they go down a really bad road. Explain to people, if you were meeting them right now, how would you tell them how your life is today, you know, eight years since your last wager, and how amazing life can be once you start figuring out how to make yourself a better person and uh, stay away from gambling completely? Today, life is beyond my wildest imagination. And that quote was given to me by the person that is my sponsor when I first started working with him seven and a half years ago. He said, you're going to get to that place. However, I don't think you understand what that means right now. You will when you get there. Because back then I thought that means I'm going to have all this money. I'm going to have all these, you know, things that are due to the fact of something that used to make me happy. What I've come to find out is I just wake up every morning happy. I don't need a material thing to make me happy or have something happen to make me happy. And the most amazing part of my journey so far is that no one, nobody, no person, no thing can make me feel any different than the way I want to feel. And for me, my emotions ran rampant, and that was part of my emotional insecurity as well as my emotional challenges as a human being. And it's all because when I first came back into the program in 2015, I decided that I'm going to work on the 12 steps of recovery. You know, I'm in a 12-step program, and I never worked on the 12 steps. Right. And, and I'm, I'm saying that's how my sponsor got to where he is, which is – a place beyond your wildest imagination well i think it's great and i think it's a great lesson for people out there that are at the early stages of it who may not be able to see you know the sun through the clouds right now there's one question i do have to ask you just based you know human interest did you ever reconcile your life's decisions with your family i absolutely did so when i was at step eight and step nine to make amends i went to each one of my family members and you know it's all about the right place at the right time. My mother, my father, my sister, my brother, and 32 other people beside my family, friends that I had uh, caused disturbances in their life that I went to, to, to reconcile the damage I had done to them. And a couple of them actually had done damage to me. However, I still had resentment. So I had to get rid of that because my Fear, my anger and my resentment causes me to want to have the emotional instability. However, the blessing I had, true blessing, because I was unable to make amends because those four people I mentioned, four of the people I grew up in my life, all passed away during COVID because mm. of COVID. And wow. uh, I was truly blessed to have the ability to make amends and to feel the love that I never felt before with them. Wow. And that is just a miracle. Well, I'm glad you shared your story. Keep doing what you're doing. We're all proud of you. Thank you very much. Wow. Thanks, Craig.
All right, Dan, great story from Craig. Before I let you go, listen, you know, NFL season started two nights ago. College football is well underway now. We have the opening weekend of NFL uh, tomorrow. The Jets, of course, play Monday night. The Giants are Sunday night. This is the time of year where people, you know, legally above board uh, may gamble for the very first time. Uh, you travel the country talking to young adults about gambling, especially you know, you know gamblers who are doing it now for the first time because it's legal. Uh, just your concerns and your thoughts as we enter another football season with widespread legalized gambling. Yeah, you know, it, 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 it's that slow train that keeps moving, right, and the education is needed. We're seeing more colleges uh, through the NCAA signing up with Epic Risk Management for the education programs we deliver in person, kind of heightened awareness around uh, risk safer play, responsible gambling, problematic gambling, and also what athletes can and can't do. Obviously, they're not allowed to bet on the sports. So there are certain bylaws that they have to follow. But outside of athletes, we're seeing more college kids participating. You know, 18 to 25-year-olds, you've got fantasy sports, which kind of continues to fly under the radar, Craig, but that can jam people up just like traditional forms of sports betting. And it's that availability and accessibility with the mobile device, online sports betting now, where it's no longer about the outcome of the game. It's about the next play, the next series of plays, the next sequence. And, you know, September each year is also Responsible Gambling Education Month. So, you know, there is there are initiatives and big pushes throughout the United States and around the United States to kind of heighten awareness and, and make this a conversation that we need to continue to have. We, You and I have suffered through a lot of stigma and shame in our life because of the journey that gambling brought us on. We don't want other people to go down that same path. So it, it shows like this, and it's education that Epic does with partners around the country to try to reduce that shame, stigma, and potential for harm. It's important. Appreciate you. That's Dan Trelawo, Epic Risk Management. Joe Beningo's coming up next. And then, of course, Monday morning, back to your regular scheduled programming right here on WFAN. Have a great weekend, and thank you so much for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.